Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. It's Louisa Nicola. I'm a neurophysiologist and human performance coach. I'm the founder of NeuroAthletics, where our mission is to democratize brain health education so you can perform better, think faster, and live longer. Today, I want to touch on something that has been weighing me down, I would say, for a very long time, years. And that is negative thoughts. And I want to talk to you about five negative thought patterns that I changed to boost my brain health. The brain and the mind, in my opinion, are one in the same, but my stance is this. If you consider this as an analogy, your brain being the house, okay, the outside of a house. Imagine there is a brick house and then there is a wooden house. And then your mind is the furniture inside the house. What happens is if a tornado occurs and it is so strong, right? A really big tornado comes. It has the power to knock down an unsturdy house, a house where maybe the the wood is really old, it's rusted, it's coming apart, a tornado comes and it tears down the house. What happens? If it tears down the house, it tears down the furniture inside. However, if you have a strong brick house, a sturdy house, a thriving outdoor area, you have a a really strong brick house that if a tornado comes nothing is affected. The house stays up, therefore the furniture inside don't get affected. That means that, you know, the analogy I take is if your brain is the house, it's the out, it's the outside of it protecting the furniture inside, which is the your mindset consisting of your cognition, like your thoughts, your information processing speed, your memory, then that's going to be protected too. There's a lot of neuroscientists out there who don't think this way. I mean, I think it's one, but I also think they're separated. I think that in order to have a a healthy mind, you have to have a healthy brain. Some people think that in order to have a healthy brain, you have to have a healthy mind, but I feel like it's a bi-directional axis. And I want to get really personal today and talk to you about negative thoughts because they come to me, they came to me, they still come to me all the time and they affect the functioning of my brain and the structural components of my brain and my overall brain health. So it's taken me a lot of time to figure out how I can stop these negative thoughts from infiltrating my mind. I can stop myself from ruminating so I can boost my brain health. So that's what I'm excited to talk to you guys today about. But if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, actually click to follow on Apple iTunes. I'm going to give you some time now, go through and do that. Also, for those of you listening and you are a coach, any type of coach, whether you're a, a practitioner, whether you're a nutrition coach, a personal co- a personal training coach, a strength and conditioning coach, this is the final call for our cohort for the Neuro Athletics Coaching Certificate. We start March 25th. So if you want to sign up for that, I will leave that in the podcast notes below. Let's get into the show. 
Here's the thing that is really incredible when it comes to behavior and this journey towards optimal health and well-being. Our brains are incredibly adaptable thanks to neuroplasticity, which allows for the formation of new neural connections throughout life. However, this adaptability also means that repeated negative thoughts can establish pathways that become more entrenched over time. This influences our behavior and emotions in unhealthy ways. The good news is your brain makes physical changes based on repetitive things that you do, your thoughts, who you surround yourself with, and the experiences that you have. The bad news is your brain makes physical changes based on the repetitive things that you do, your thoughts, who you surround yourself with, and the experiences that you have. Do you see what I did there? Yes, neuroplasticity works. You know, there was this old phenomenon I remember when I first took my first introduction to neuroanatomy. I was 23 years old and I remember sitting in there and my professor saying that, you know, he, he, he was describing neuroplasticity as an interconnected highway. We actually had to visualize Dubai and, you know, the, the roads in Dubai. And basically he said that every time a car travels down a specific road, that road strengthens and the road becomes clearer and you're able to drive down it. You know, you may drive down it the first time with your eyes open going 20 kilometers an hour. Then the next time you're just driving down it, you can put your blindfold on, you can floor it and go 200 kilometers an hour because you know the path so well. That's how your brain is. The more times you travel down a particular pathway, you strengthen those connections. Sadly, it works both ways for good and for bad. So now that we know that, I'm going to talk and share five negative thought patterns that I recognized in myself and changed, which significantly boosted my brain health because I had a healthier functioning brain. The first one was overthinking. Overthinking can trap the brain in a vicious cycle of worry and analysis paralysis where no decision seems right. This can obviously lead to heightened stress levels and obviously causing neural inflammation. These stress levels can reshape the brain and make it more prone to anxiety, which I ended up developing. I mean, I know that many of us overthink. I haven't met anybody. Well, I do meet some people who have the ability to not overthink and I envy those people, but overthinking is something that I find high achievers often battle with. And I was one of those overthinking everything, even overthinking from, you know, when you become so in tune with your body and your brain and you're on a health journey and you're tracking and monitoring your sleep, your exercise, you've also got a business, you've also got employees, you've also got KPIs and metrics and sales metrics. You often overthink everything. And that's what I did. And that overthinking led to immense anxiety. And it led to me not having fulfilling relationships with people because all I did was overthink. So I had a personal shift. I had to, first of all, And this actually is prefacing every single negative thought that I'm about to talk about. I had to take responsibility. I had to take responsibility and ownership of my negative thoughts. So took responsibility. 
and I started practicing mindfulness. I did this to ground myself in the present moment because when I started practicing this, I was beginning to overthink and instead focus, instead of overthinking, focus on what was happening right now, which was reducing the cycle of endless thoughts. And oftentimes, I think that when you have slept well, when you have hydrated adequately, when you are well nourished, you have the mental efficiency and energy to stop negative thoughts. So I knew I had that. The house, those bricks were sturdy, guys. I had a very, very good foundation to work off. Therefore, it just became about anchoring my thoughts. So every time I started to overthink and I would go past two minutes of overthinking, I would perform a negative thought stop. So I would literally, this is like a a sports psychological tool that I give a lot of my um, NBA players, which is I would click my fingers with my right hand and that would be my anchor. I would click and then I would immediately anchor my thought and start thinking of something that would make me happy. I often lead myself back to my home in Australia where my parents live and my entire family. And I think about our home and where I grew up and that just instantly makes me happy and it stops me in my tracks. So if you are overthinking and if you're overthinking things that are just not worth it, then try this technique out because it will stop you from ruminating. It will stop you from going down the well of make-believe thoughts and it will help you have a healthier brain because you won't be wasting energy on unwanted and uh, not useful things and also practice mindfulness because when you start practicing that and grounding yourself and doing deep breathing maybe even journaling on what are the things that you're overthinking about often if you journal it's quite therapeutic you come to the realization that maybe what you're overthinking about is just not true so that's number 1 we'll get back to number 2 in just a moment but before we do i want to talk to you about the elixir that i have been having every single day to charge me throughout the afternoon, and that is mud water. Mud water is a coffee alternative which tastes like a cow and chai had a beautiful baby together. It is very much wintertime here in New York City, which means that holding on to your hot drink and not having it caffeinated, not having the crash and the jitters that come along with the coffee is the solution that you are most likely looking for. So mud water has four functional mushrooms and each of which was chosen chosen for a specific purpose. It's got cacao and chai for a hint of caffeine and chocolate. It's got lion's mane for focus. It's got cordyceps to promote natural energy and both chaga and reishi to help support a healthy immune system. It's 100% USDA organic, kosher, vegan, and gluten-free. So if you're looking for a delicious alternative to your morning coffee, this is where you can start. And super excited because you all get $29 off and 
a free sample of creamer and a free frother. I have to tell you that those frothers I use about 50 times a day. I am mixing everything in there. So you get a frother, you you need this. I, I think it's just worthwhile getting this for the frother. But if you do want to try this delicious coffee alternative, go to mudwater.com slash Louisa. So you can get your free frother, free samples and the coconut creamer. That is mudwater. That is mudwtr.com slash Louisa to save $29 off. Okay, let's get back into my negative thoughts. Number two, you might be surprised by because you probably think, how could Louisa suffer from this? And that is, of course, caring what others think. How does this even, you know, how does this even affect your brain? Well, constantly worrying about other people's opinion can lead to a fear-based mindset. This then influences the brain to prioritize social approval over personal values or desires, ultimately impacting self-esteem and decision-making. I just can't tell you how many times I think, what will she think? What will they think if I put this up on Instagram? What will she think if I am wearing this? What will they think if I do this? And oh my God, what an absolute waste of time. And I know many other people are affected by this too. I took two personal shifts for this one. The first one is, yes, I did some affirmation of self-worth. I started my mornings with affirmations that focused on my inherent worth and capabilities. This then reinforced my confidence and it kind of felt like it reduced the weight that I placed on other people's opinions. Not that just that, I started adopting this framework of will this, will, will this person's opinion matter in 20 years? Most people use the five-year rule. If it doesn't matter in five years, it's not worth five minutes. But like I started thinking about 20 years and it turns out it doesn't, you know, I'm very, um, some people don't like my take when I say this, but I believe we are all here for a limited time. We're all going to die. And when I'm in the grave, I don't think anybody's going to even be talking about me. I'm actually going to read you two quotes from Alex Hormozzi that really knocked me in the head. The first one is, The Queen of England died five months ago. She ruled an entire nation and accumulated more wealth than 99.99% of humans. And yet, you haven't thought about her except for this tweet. You're going to die. Everyone will move on. Do what you want. The second one from him is, you're going to die. And a few months later, no one will think about the risks you took or didn't take. What a waste to live your entire life to please people who will never think of you again or ever begin or ever to begin with. And it's funny because we often think about what will they think when they're not even thinking about us at all. And I think about myself and I think, well, I'm not really thinking about anybody else to that extent. I think about my loved ones a lot. I think about my very, very close friends. Like I don't think about you know, I just don't have the bandwidth. And I think anybody who is operating at a high level, anyone's opinion that you want from, anyone's, whoever you're thinking about, you're thinking, are they thinking of me? 
the only reason why they probably will be thinking about you is if they've got no life and nothing going on in their life. So that's really how I shifted that, you know, personally, that's how I really did the personal shift of moving away from thinking that other people have got better things to worry about than me. Something else I also did for this one was selective feedback. I learned to seek feedback from just a small amount of people, trusted group of people, rather than worrying about the wider world's views. This helped me focus more so on constructive criticism and grow without being overwhelmed by external judgment. And I really have a motto that I live by, and that is why I don't actually accept opinions from people who are not doing better than me when it comes to health or business. So that's that. I hope that one helped you. The third negative thought pattern that I was possessing was believing the stories that I created in my own head. The brain often confuses our repeated thoughts and imagined scenarios with reality, reinforcing these narratives and their emotional impact. This limits our perspectives and our responses to real life situations. You know, I am like a, if I've got nothing happening for even 10 minutes, like I'm a very busy person, I really need to watch my thoughts. Sometimes I create thoughts in my head, which were derived from the first, you know, the the first one that we spoke about, which was overthinking. I would overthink. That overthinking would then become anxiety coupled with caring about what others think then I started to create these stories in my head and then I would believe those stories in my head. Have you guys ever thought about that? Have you ever written down the things that are happening in your head and then you write them down and they're like, what am I actually saying? It is unbelievable. So I had to, well, actually I went to therapy, which was um, an eye opener for me. And I have a wonderful therapist and hopefully I'll bring her on the podcast one day. But she was the one that brought this to my attention. The first thing she told me was, Louisa, reality reality check. She also says we need to tourniquet the area. That is her quote, meaning we have to, you know, when police um, go to a crime scene and they say, okay, we're to tourniquet the area. That's what she used to do to me when I would go down these deep rabbit holes of overthinking and she would like, you know, I I feel like she wanted to slap me, but she didn't. She just told me number one reality check. So this was the personal shift I took. Whenever I caught myself creating stories, well, she actually would challenge me. She would challenge these thoughts by asking for evidence of the truth. This helped me actually differentiate between fact and fiction. And she did a really great task with me. She got a piece of paper. She drew a line down the middle. On the left side, she wrote the story. On the right side, she wrote the truth. And let me tell you, they were completely different things. And so every time I go down this rabbit hole of creating stories and scenarios in my head, I try and seek the evidence. Number th- the, the second thing I did to make a personal shift away from this was seeking an alternative perspective, which is discussing my thoughts with a therapist, which offered me new viewpoints which helped me break the cycle of my self-created stories and self-sabotage and opening my mind to different interpretations and possibilities. Guys, you cannot get anywhere 
by believing the thoughts that you create in your head that aren't true. Moving on to number four, and I know the high achievers, which are almost everybody listening to this, comparing myself to others in my field. I know you guys have felt this before. Comparison can lead to feelings of inadequacy and jealousy. This skews the brain's perception of self-worth and success to be entirely relative and externally defined. No good can come from this. No good can come from comparing yourself to others in your field unless it is in a healthy way. I look at scientists who have published you know, many, many times and who have been cited many times and I compare myself to them and sometimes I take a step back and think, well, Louisa, they're, you know, I know age is just a number, but they are 12 to 15 years older than you. So they've had a lot more time in the field than you. And I'm a very highly competitive person. I, um, I, I like to train with people younger than me just so I can, you know, keep up with them. And I often seek a lot of my business advice from those who I, you know, who have built, you know, 30, 40 plus million dollar companies. And I am just, when it comes to the science field, I've got an incredible mentor and a supervisor, Dr. Tommy Wood, and he is absolutely phenomenal. And I really, sometimes I compare myself to all of the other people that he supervises. And I think, why am I not as good as them? And I had to take a personal shift. I had to focus on self-growth. I shifted my focus from comparison to personal growth. I started setting really clear and intentional goals. And you know what else I did, guys? This was to help with the dopamine loop and the dopamine circuit. I rewarded my progress. This reward helped rewire my brain to appreciate my journey rather than others. And there is a very close correlation there with opening and closing the dopamine circuit. So every time I achieved the goal that I set out, I would reward myself and that was the dopamine. That dopamine then signaled to my brain that I did something good and it gave me the motivation and drive to keep going on my journey. The second thing I did in this aspect was journal. I did gratitude journaling, believe it or not. Um, If you see my notebook, it's actually sitting right next to me. It's black and it is full and it's only the second month out of the year. I started writing down what I was grateful for in my personal and professional life. This really helped me appreciate my unique path and the value that I bring, which diminished the urge to compare myself because I became the center of my own universe. And that was really powerful. Last but not least, this was the fifth one. I used to think that I was not providing good enough value on Instagram. Yes, I said it. I have a very large podcast. I have uh, hundreds of thousands of people that listen to this. I have almost 250,000 people on Instagram. I have a another, I think, 20,000 on the NeuroAthletics Instagram. We have another 20,000 on the NeuroExperience Instagram. And so that's a lot of people that, you know, every time you put something out, you you think, oh my God, I hope I'm, I'm 
I'm doing, I'm doing something good. I hope you're loving the value. This really affected me, believe it or not. This thought pattern can trigger a cycle of self-doubt and perfectionism, leading to decreased creativity and increased stress and anxiety about public perception and self-worth. And it's just crazy. My friend, Max Lugavere, you're probably listening to him. You've probably listened to him on his podcast. We were having lunch not too long ago and I asked him about that. And he said, Louisa, it's just an app. It's not the be all and end all. Yes. He said, you put out fantastic content. It is very valuable. He said, but don't make it be your life. So I took two personal shifts here. The first one was contentment over comparison. I focused more on the contentment of sharing what I love, what I believe in. I have a mission to democratize brain health education to end cognitive decline one brain at a time, to help coaches shrink the mortality curve. So I did that rather, I just wanted to put out that content rather than comparing myself to others. This shift helped me find joy in creation again, reducing my stress and increasing myself of, of, of my, self, my sense of fulfillment. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but during January, I took time off social media. I was in Australia and I wanted to take time with my family, but I was also going through some sort of existentialist crisis. I was thinking, am I putting out valuable content? And I I believe I do. I would love for anybody who's made it this far down the episode to please come and tell me in the comments, in the review section of the podcast, if you like what I put out on Instagram, or maybe come and share that on my Instagram. I'm not sure. Um, The second personal shift was engaging with my community. That is you guys. I found that by engaging genuinely with my community, I started to see the real value that I was providing through your feedback and your interactions rather than just measuring it by likes or follows. Now I'm just putting out what I believe and I'm going by what you guys give me. So I hope this helped you. I hope it helps you in terms of changing your own negative thought patterns It wasn't an overnight process. The effort has been incredibly rewarding, but it's been deliberate daily effort. And by actively choosing to engage in healthier mental habits, I've not only improved my brain health, but I've also improved my overall happiness and satisfaction in life. The journey of neuroplasticity and mental reprogramming is ongoing, but it's one that promises a richer and more fulfilled experience in this world. And just remember the analogy I told you earlier. It's a bi-directional axis. A healthy mind equals a healthy brain, but a healthy brain equals a healthy mind. I hope you enjoyed this one. Until next time.